Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 96 of Radiance, my original Fallout fan fiction. As always, I do hope you like, share, and subscribe to this wherever you can. And if you can leave feedback either via fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. All your feedback and comments are always welcome and always appreciated. And if you do go to ghostnobody.com, why not check out Storm Rider while you're there? My original tale set in a fantasy realm full of dragonesses, orcs and elves and a whole host of other things. You might find something you like. And also while you're there, why don't you pop over to the Ghostly Links section. Pick out Mortis. Check it out either at Smashwords or on Amazon. Pick yourself up a copy. Read my original works and help support me. Keep me doing what I love. Bringing original alien romance stories to you good people. So... Without any further ado, let's get on with this show, shall we? Now, first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it. That's all the realm of Bethesda. I just own all the crazy tales. Let's get on with the show, shall we? Chapter 96. Wings of Justice. As I went to the plan to see what who would be doing what, Seven took a conference call on the radio from Wisp and from Raymond in which she outlined some of the plans she had to deal with for the ESF problem they were currently having. And he agreed to help with them where he could, but a worry was still niggling with them that maybe he should help back and help them out properly. But then he really couldn't leave the others here to deal with this situation alone now, could he? Eve seemed to pick up on this, and she looked at him curiously, as he had informed everyone about the situation currently unfolding, her included. You're worried about your friends, aren't you? She said, and he glanced at her and nodded. Yeah, Wisp's a tough cookie, and she'd got some damn powerful backup. But dealing with a special forces team, and not just that, but two of our kind as well? Well, that really puts me on edge, you know. feel like I should be there, he said, and he felt Visa rub his back reassuringly with her massive hand. Well, I'm sure if she needs you, she'll call you. But you could just go and help her, right? I mean, I'm sure she knows that if you, she called you, you'd come right away, Eve said, obviously trying to comfort him. Yeah, but that's quite a distance to cover. I mean, there's no chance I'd get there in time to save anyone, is there? He said, sounding a little forlorn. And Eve just cocked her head, curiously. Not sure how long it would take to cover the distance from here to, to the Commonwealth in flight, but can't be that long, surely. She said, and Seven and all the others looked at her wearing this exact same puzzled expression. Uh, in flight? Um, I'm telekinetic. I don't have wings, Doc. Seven said, and she looked at him with a single raised eyebrow. Um, it's the same thing, she said. And now he mirrored her raised eyebrow. And how exactly did you come to that conclusion? He asked. Well, you can lift any object you can perceive, right? She asked, and he nodded. And you can create a simple shield of invisible energy simply by imagining such a thing, correct? She asked, and he nodded again. Well then, the answer is simple. You simply lift yourself, create a bubble around your body while you propel yourself along in the direction you wish to go. She said as if it had been the most obvious thing in the world to him. Lift myself, Seven said as a full realisation dawned on him and he glanced at Visa, whom he'd lifted off her feet many times as if she was as light as a feather, despite her actual tremendous weight. 
Hell, he'd lifted Thundertail and she was easily twice the size of Visa and he'd done it with ease. Exactly. You simply use the same method you used, and obviously I don't fully understand how that could work. I'm not exactly telekinetic, am I? But whatever method it is you used, you simply use it to lift your own body. Then you use a bubble to reduce the air drag on yourself, which should allow you to achieve pretty high speeds without either overpressurizing your armour or heating it up due to the air resistance on it. Should also prevent things like bird strikes, because let's be honest, radgulls are a pain in the ass at the best of times. Last thing you need is one riding shotgun in your helmet while moving at potentially supersonic speeds. Uh, if you do have a passenger with you, I doubt they'd like one of them unceremoniously wrapping to ride up their tail hole at Mark IV either, to be fair. Kind of hard to imagine who would be the biggest surprise for, the radgull or the claw got hit. Oh, and uh, I would make sure there's enough air to breathe in there while you're on the topic. Eve said in a thoughtful tone. Mies hates radgulls. Nasty squawking thieves. Always tries to steal me food. Sent one to the moon with me's tail only last week. Teach him for trying to steal Thundertail's radstag steak, which Eve makes special for Miss Thundertail. Thundertail said angrily and triumphantly, and now the whole group were caught up in imagining a rather confused radgull on the moon with a mouthful of rocks. How in the name of hell did that never occur to me at this point? i literally levelled buildings and thrown blast doors at people, and it never occurred to me, not once... To lift myself into the air. Seven said, feeling like a full-bore dumbass. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all that's needed to open new um, alternatives. Eve offered with a smile. Doc, I'd kiss you right now if we wouldn't get both our faces clawed off by a somewhat jealous claw girl not a million miles away. Seven said, hearing the growl rising from Visa's throat at the mere hint of him kissing anyone but her. Yeah, don't do that. I rather like my face intact. In fact, one day I hope it'll attract me a mate, Eve said with a laugh. Not this human, it won't. This one's mine, Visa said with a possessive snarl that was backed up with an even more possessive grab and a kiss that left Seven staggering around like a drunk for a moment afterwards. Message received and understood loud and clear, Eve said with a chuckle giving Visa a little mock salute which made her nod her large horned head. Not this one either. This one's more than just spoken for. He's marked and claimed. And if any fingers or claws touch his beautiful skin other than these ones right here, then owner of said fingers and claws will join Thundertail's Radgull on the moon, albeit in slightly more pieces. Vess said with a snarl that made her nieces look like a purr by comparison, and Seven instantly realised the possessive nature definitely ran through the female side of their family blood. Uh, it just hit, uh, just hit them into the ground like a nail, I think, and make them watch as I ravished my Timothy right before her very eyes, and I'd make sure she had a very, very perfect view of his face when I rode him into bliss. Shauna said coldly, making them all look at the normally mild-mannered super mutant scientist in surprise, including Timothy himself, who was doing a very good impression of a blushing fish with his mouth hanging right open at this moment. Vess and Visa roared with laughter and strode over to clap her on both shoulders simultaneously. Oh, you should have been born a claw, Shauna. You'd have made a fine, fine claw with an attitude like that. Never take out your anger over another's attraction on your mail, 
You simply show them why they belong to you and no one else, Fess said proudly while shaking the big super mutant girl slightly. Mies wishes Mies had handsome human boy to prove Mies worth to over and over again, Thundertail said, letting her tail droop sadly as she hung her head and dipped her snout so it pointed at the floor. Vess didn't even miss a beat. She turned and walked right up to her, lifted her snout up so she was looking at her in surprise. Chin up, chest out, tail up. You are a proud claw female. Never forget that. You stand tall and proud before all you would face you, and you show them that you are not ashamed of who you are or what you are. When your pride shines, your confidence shines with it. And when your confidence shines, you shine. It's this shine that will make the human who is out there right now, looking around at this cold and scary world for his protector, see you for who you really are, both his salvation and his love, all in one. Your confidence will bring him right to your side where he belongs. And from there, you can choose which side you want him on, or maybe underside. Vess said, closing that statement with a wink that really brightened Thundertail's face right up. You really thinks me can do it, Alpha Claw Vess? She asked and Vess nodded. I don't think so. I know so. I mean, look, right here, three handsome human boys. Though one is obviously the most handsome. She said, pointing at Chris, who blushed as if on command. And three non-human girls. Two very proud claws and one very proud super mutant. We look nothing like their fragile females. Nothing, no offence, Miss Eve. Vess continued. None taken, Eve said with a smile and a demissive wave as she was knew where Vess was going with this. And do these boys look at any others other than us? Tell me, what happened when you tried to make a move on Seven? She asked and Visa barely held in the growl that bubbled in her chest. But Seven saw her scales bristles and rattled at the mere mention of it. He stops me, tells me he loves lucky Alpha Claw Visa and no other. Thundertail said, sounding a little flown. Exactly. A human man who loves his claws so much that he won't even look at another claw, let alone another of his own kind. That kind of loyalty and love are hard won, young claw. The first step is showing your potential male your worth, and the second step there is confidence. If you have the confidence in yourself, then others will have it as well. All alpha claws know this. Your matriarch and patriarch know it well, and so must you. So when you stumble across this soon-to-be-lucky human, and with him around, I have no doubt he will, he's like a non-human loving human magnet, you will show him your pride and your confidence together. You will show him your strength, your passion, and you will also show him that you will crush his enemies and make any would ever hurt him run in fear of your wrath. But then with him... You will show him nothing but the most gentle of care. Then he will look at you like no other, because he will be so starstruck by the powerful and radiant claw before him that he will not wish to look anywhere else. And then you will show him why he made the very best of choices. And then, and only then, will he show you a love you can get nowhere else on this planet. And trust me, I once loved the most strongest and most noble claw boy I ever ever known. But now my heart is in his beautiful and gentle hands, and I would have it nowhere else. And trust me, my heart isn't the only part of me that's in those wondrous hands, Vess said, confidently pointing at Chris again. 
and all of them could see that Thundertail was hanging on her every word, while still glancing at the still blushing but smiling human. Right, well, while you lot are teaching Thundertail how to seduce humans, I'm going to go and learn to, well, to, you know, fly. Seven said, raising from his seat and striding towards the door quickly. Might want to take your armour, Eve called after him, and Seven glanced at her curiously. For two reasons. One, if you crash, the armour will protect you. And two, learn how to fly in combat. If you can do it while wearing that big old heavy thing, you'll have zero problems without it. Eve continued, and Seven thought for a moment. Hmm, resistance training did make sense. So he nodded and stepped into it. Right, well, well, you lot are teaching Thunderdale how to seduce humans, I'm going to learn, well, you know, how to fly. Seven said, and raising from his seat and stiving quickly towards the door. Might want to take your armour with you, Eve said, and Seven glanced at her curiously. Two reasons. One, if you crash, the armour will protect you. And two, learn how to fly in combat. If you can do it while wearing that big old heavy things, you'll have zero problems without it, Eve continued. And Seven thought for a moment before nodding and stepping into it. Visa growled in frustration. Did you have to give my male more reasons to hide away in that damn tin suit? She grumbled and Vess chuckled. Patience, my niece. The more he hides away, the more passion you store up to unleash on him later. When you finally manage to peel him out of it, that is. She said, and this time Visa lost control of the growly purr that burst out of her, along with a wide tail swish that went with it. Vess winked at Thundertail. And that's what clean and righteous human-loving core passion looks like right there. When you have a human that can make your tail swish like that of a crazy tail. And you can't hold in your purrs. That is a human that you will make a nest for. For you will be his queen, and he will be your king, she said. Mies wants this so bad. Mies wants human who will make Thundertail's tail swish. Thundertail exclaimed, slapping said tail on the ground hard enough to shake the whole room. Yeah, just make sure he's not under it when you lose control of that damn thing. Or, you know, do that. Or you might have a human-shaped pancake more than a human. Chris chuckled before blushing as he realised what he'd just said out loud. Why is Mies human be under Thundertail's tail? Thundertail asked in confusion. Visa beckoned her over and Thundertail leaned in as Visa cupped a massive hand and whispered right in her ear, causing Thund... Thundertail's eyes to widen like saucers. Human boys do this for their claw? She exclaimed and both Vess and Visa nodded in unison. And they're damn good at it. Why do you think we both walk with such pride in every step we take? Visa said. Me's once human who will willingly go under Thundertail's tail too. Thundertail said both hopefully and slightly mournfully while looking back at her massive thick tail and her face betraying that she was kind of see, hoping to see a hu- and some human trying to sneak his way under there right at that very moment. Vess placed a motherly hand on her shoulder. Don't you yo worry, young Claw. When we're done with you, we'll have our good friend Malachi make you a sling so you can carry a human around under your tail. Because when we're done with you, you'll never want to come out. Vess said, making both Timothy and Chris chuckle while Seven just shot his, shook his now armour-encased head. Or maybe we could make a crowbar to pry him out so you can kiss and cuddle him before he manages to worm his way back under there, Visa said jokingly. Mies would like that very much. Wants kisses and cuddles very badly, Thunderdale said, hugging herself. And who knows, some of them might even be on your mouth, 
Shona said, making all five of the ladies present and the two human men roar with laughter. While the last said human man slipped out like an armoured shadow before Visa decided to peel him out of his armour and halt the training before it even got started. Seven now stood out in the yard of the museum, come lab, come schoolhouse, that Eve had made her own. And now you could see the other gator claws milling around. Since his little gift presentation to the Alphas, they were not worried by his presence any more, as the Alphas had declared them all friends of the pack, and some of them now even lumbered over to get a look at, better look at their new human in their midst. But Seven couldn't afford to get distracted by these overly curious claws now. Time was against them, and if he could pull this flying thing off, it would be an absolutely tremendous boon to both their side. Gone would be the days of having to rely on scavenged tech to get where they were going, and also gone would be the long days of trekking the long distances. If he could make himself strong enough, he could lift the whole team and simply fly them wherever they needed to go. Express delivery, seven style, so to speak. For some reason, an image of him flying through the air, dropping human-loving claw girls down on parachutes on unsuspecting humans below popped into his head and he very nearly burst out laughing as the surprised humans were hugged by claws from above. Though an image of one looking up and seeing the underside of Thundertail's t raised tail heading right for him stuck in there as well. He blew out a deep breath and focused, closed his eyes and imagined invisible hands lifting himself into the air, holding him aloft, and while Eve had made him think of the image of a bubble surrounding himself, for some reason it took on the form of a pair of wings shielding him in his mind. When he opened them, he realised he was no longer on the ground and was hovering a hundred feet in the air with his blue smoke-flamed wings sticking out of his back again. The shock realisation caused him to let go and he swiftly plummeted to the ground, doing a very good impression of a stone pitched out of a fifth-storey window. It was a tremendous boom as Seven hit the ground amidst the amazed gator claws who had all been staring up at him open-mouthed as he hovered in the air. Yous can fly, one of the girl claws said in shock. Not yet, but I'm pretty dab, dab hand at falling, evidently, Seven said as he dusted himself as Visa poked a concerned-looking horned head out of an upstairs window. Everything all right down there, my love? She called down and he gave her a thumbs up. Yeah, just getting a handle on things is all, he called up and her head vanished back inside with a look of relief on her pretty face. All right, Seven, you can do this. No more messing about, he said with determination and fire brewing in his voice. Focusing hard, he tried again, but this time he kept his eyes open. So he saw the exact moment that his hands hoisted him off his feet and into the air where he hovered, laughing. I did it! he exclaimed as the odd feeling of being weightless inside the suit hit him. He also noticed that the wings were back, and try as he might, they refused to bugger off this time. It seemed that the mere act of attempting to fly summoned them to him, and they remained there the entire time he was in the air. Now, hovering was one thing, but controlling both pitch, direction, height, speed and turning were all totally other things took him quite a while to figure out all these factors out, as he built up quite an audience while he did, with nearly the entire extended gateclaw pack coming around to watch him, zooming about, all while lounging about in the water and on the grass, sunning themselves lazily. But after a few hours of dedicated focus and training, Seven was really getting the hang of it, 
and he was able to move at incredible speeds by morphing the shape of his telekinetic shield from a ball into a bullet shape. What amazed him more about flying was how little effort it really seemed to take. It was either he'd grown really incredibly strong over the last few weeks with all the practice and training, not to mention power barriers he'd broken through by complete accident, or it really was truly that easy. But, while he was doing this, his head, it didn't even hurt. Not even a little bit. Though that might be due to the adrenaline fueled exhilaration of flying through the cloud-filled sky with nothing but his own mind powering. Free to go wherever he pleased, with nothing more than a single thought propelling him through the air like a human-shaped missile. On one particular pass over the Gator Claw compound in the safari zone, Seven noticed Visa out in the courtyard now, talking to the Gator Claws, and he got a little bit mischievous. She seemed to be inspecting something on the ground next to a few of the claws as he flew overhead, and he circled around behind her, and tried not to get too distracted by her perfect heart-shaped scaly rear end waving about as he came in on fast approach, and snatched the surprise claw right off the ground. Seven had already practised carrying someone with a mannequin that he'd found in one of the zoo displays nearby, and one of the problems he'd swiftly realised is because of the lack of air resistance not being a thing, well, thanks to the bubble of shield of telekinetic energy surrounded him, it didn't force the body he was holding back into alignment with his own. It simply flopped forward, which threw him off balance. So he'd swiftly figured out to solve this problem, he'd be needing to use more of his invisible hands that were holding him aloft to hold them up too. So, before Visa could even start kicking and flaying her about in alarm, as she rocketed upwards with his invisible hands gripping her hips, arms, thighs, as well as calves and her tail, and held them all in perfect alignment with him, he himself wrapped his metallic arms around her waist, just below her bust. Welcome aboard, ASM, my good lady. Please try to keep all hands, feet, claws and tails inside the cabin at all times. And please relax and enjoy your flight with us today. Seven said in a mock pilot's voice as he pulled off a near perfect pirouette spin before shooting his still yelling call girl and himself forward towards a particularly fluffy looking cloud. What in the name of hell? Visa yelled as they barreled straight through the cloud and popped out the top of it into the brilliant sunshine. That's when he felt her freeze up as the truth of the view hit her. Seven, this is incredible. She exclaimed as Seven lazily dodged and weaved around little hillocks of clouds sticking out, out of the top of it, dancing them between the sunbeams like he was doing a slalom on a ski run with her. Thought you might like it. Kind of felt bad having all this fun up here on my own, so I thought I'd share it with the person who means the most to me in this life, Seven said gently, nuzzling the back of her horned head with his helmeted one. I don't think any claw will have ever experienced a view like this one. The closest who would ever be able to do something like this is Passer, with those wings of his, and he hasn't even probably got the hang of them yet. Visa said in a soft voice, and he turned. She turned her head to look out over the sea of snow-white clouds below them, as Seven slowed his pace. Really, is quite something, isn't it? Seven said, "It truly is, my love. Thank you so so much for this." Visa said with a choked-up sound of voice, a joy and pure happiness bubbling up in her throat. You never have to want, thank me for wanting to make you happy, my sexy alpha claw. It's my job in life, to make my woman happy. 
and to keep her that way no matter what, Seven said, giving her a squeeze. You are a good male, Seven. Far better than I ever believed I deserved. Thank you for choosing me over all others, she said. I think you should be me who is thankful to you, Visa. You took a chance on me, seeing you that way that I do. Took a leap of faith with it. If you hadn't, I doubt it I've ever plucked up the courage to really take that step on my own for fear of losing my head or face. Seven chuckled, making Visa laugh out loud. These days the only place that handsome face of yours gets lost in is under my tail or between my thighs. Visa purred back, making Seven laugh again. Yeah, ain't that the truth. But can you blame me? You do have such a sexy tail, you know. Seven said, running in one of his invisible hands up the length of it, swivelling it around in a spiral so that it slipped along the underside close to the root, making Visa loose and involuntary growl with a healthy amount of purr mixed into it. If you keep that up, I'm going to insist you land us somewhere quiet so I can peel you out of that annoying tin and ravish you, my human, Visa growled huskily. Ah, my sexy Alpha Claw. Seems to be under the illusion that she has any power up here. Up here? You're in my world, sweet scale. Up here? My word is law. And my hands go where they please. Exactly. Where they please. Seven purred back and to prove his point, two more of his invisible hands joined the party. And while the original one stroked the underside of her tail and tickled between the orbs of glory, these two ran over her thighs, switching to the inside as they crawled higher. This sudden pleasure made Visa short circuit and loose a growl that morphed into a gasp of those invisible, nimble fingers near the tops of the inside of her thighs. Now, what do you say we could turn this simple flight into a pleasure cruise? Would you like that, sugar tail? Hmm? Seven said, using those invisible fingers to gently pry back Visa's protective flap so that he could get access to the tasty treat hidden below it, making Visa let out a very unladylike claw squeak as he traced her out the lips. Yes, please. Visa howled, no longer caring about his appearance or status or control. She wanted her male to do whatever he pleased to her, just as long as it didn't take the magnificent sensations and feelings away from her. But that wasn't a worry she needn't have had. This was Seven, her most beloved one, and her joy was his ecstasy. So, as they cruised along, swishing in and out of the fluffy hills... Seven invisible fingers slipped in between her lips and began to attack all the softest and sweetest spots all at once, making her thrash and moan held tight by her restraints. Oh, and I've learned a new trick. Came to me while flying and morphing the shield. Want to see? Or, well, try it out. Seven purred and all Visa could do was nod her head as words are completely lost in the sea of pleasure in her head by this point. That's what I like to see. My girl's sense of adventure. Well, I figured that since I'm in this and you're out there, and I can't exactly use my real one, I can, however, do this. Seven said, as, as he spoke, the fingers that were currently rubbing Visa's G-spot deep inside her morphed into an invisible and perfect replica of his manhood, filling her up and making her howl as she realised exactly what she was feeling now in her depths. Oh, I think my sweetest of tales approves of my in-flight entertainment, 
Well then, let's really get started, shall we? He said, and with that he began to pump his invisible force manhood in and out of her, savouring the feeling and sensation of her powerful inner walls trying to clamp down on him, trying to draw him into their into her core as they flew. And to such intense stimulation, Visa had exactly zero chance of holding out for long, especially as Seven kept torturously changing the tempo at random, so she had no chance of letting her body develop a natural rhythm. It was like every movement was designed to keep her balanced on a razor's edge over a pit of purest pleasure imaginable, until finally she lost her balance and fell horns first right into it. Visa let out a roar so loud that Seven knew it could be heard from miles away thanks to how high they were. He also felt the explosion of hot fluids that burst out of her as the orgasm tore through her like an explosion of liquid fire. He couldn't also help but chuckle about anybody unluckily, or possibly luckily, enough to be underneath her at the time. Warm, thick, claw-flavoured rain would probably be quite a mystery. By the time Seven landed them back at the camp, Visa was a giggling wreck of a claw, who could barely stand up on her own. She kept giggling like an oversized scaly schoolgirl who got into her parents' cider supply, and he had to hold her up to walk back, and that's when Vess and Thundertail noticed them. What's wrong with Lucky Alpha Claw Visa? Thundertail asked, looking concerned and alarmed. She began to rush forward to help her. But Vess caught hold of her by the shoulder, and she looked at her in surprise as the big Alpha Matriarch Claw shot her a fang-filled grin. Oh, there's nothing wrong with her, young one. Let's just say that she's been enjoying some in-flight entertainment at the hands of her devilish human there. That one truly knows his way to a claw girl's heart and he never misses an opportunity to strike when it's presented. If he wasn't a human, he'd have made a truly remarkable claw, one I have no doubt that Visa would have had to lock in her nest and guard with the fury of a whole pack of Alpha Matriarch claws, though I'm pretty sure she'd have had quite a clutch to help her out by now, Vess said with a chuckle, and for a moment Thundertail looked confused before what looked like a light bulb flicked on inside her head. You means that they... Up there? Thundertail exclaimed, pointed into the sky. The one seen, seen, seen seven whisked Visa off into before vanishing into the clouds high above them, and Vess nodded. Not sure how, but if I know one thing about that male of hers, he's got more surprises up his sleeves than a whole pack of burrowed mole rats, Vess said, chuckling. Me's think me's name for a lucky Alpha Claw Visa is correct one. She's is lucky to have human like him. He loves very ground she walks upon and very air she breathes, Thundertail said, and Vess nodded. She is indeed, young one. But I also think it's true of all claws who are lucky enough to win over their human. Their love is nothing to be sniffed at. The vast majority of them might not be able to do what Seven can, thanks to that power of his. One worthy of you will make his endeavour to make that up to you in any way he can. And trust me when I say... Rewarding them for those efforts is the sweetest nectar in this life has to offer. They said watching a seven help Visa to their room to lie down, though it resulted in him having to lie down too as he refused to let go of him. When they finally reappeared later on, Visa looked like she had a spring in her step and a truly fresh swish in her tail. I'm getting you back for that little surprise, my beloved human. Just you wait and see. 
this claw knows how to ambush too. And when I spring my trap, you will be the power slam next time. Just you wait, Visa said as they headed towards the others, making Seven chuckle en route. Already looking forward to it, he said with a grin. Ah, there you two are. Well, I'm glad to see that Seven's taking to flying like a rad goose takes to bullying Gator Claws, Eve said with a bright smile on her face. Thundertail suddenly subconsciously hugged her tail protectively. Me hates those nasty geese. Bite hard and will not go away, she said, looking around herself in worry of one popping out of the shadows and rushing at her with a war honk. So, how's the rest of the plan going? Seven asked. Good. We got down to where we need to go, and I do believe Shauna and Timothy are done with their work as well, he said, glancing at the pair who nodded their confirmation. So far we only have the one, but more are on the way. Though we could use some more parts, they'd always be welcome. And it might be worth doing a trial run on one of those bodies with this thing first, that hasn't had their collar detonated, to see if it works properly before using it in the field. Timothy said, holding up a device that kind of looked like a cross between a gun and a tuning fork to Seven. Alright, sounds good. So, how's it work? Seven said, turning the device over in his hand and studying it. Simple. Turn it on with the button on the top, place the prongs either side of the detonation circuit, and pull the trigger. It sends a high-voltage pulse of EMP right across the circuit, frying it all at once, and the sensors too. This should allow you to simply pop the lock on the thing and remove it safely without anyone's head turning into paste. Timothy said, making Seven wince. Alright, I'll take a fly over to the Wild West Zone and Dry Rock Gulch and test it out in some of the bodies that I saw out there, Seven said. Might want to confirm that the bomb's alive first. You know, set one off just to be sure you aren't getting a false positive, Sean said and Seven nodded. Alright, what about the order of attack? Any ideas there? He asked, and Eve nodded now and pointed at Chris and Vess. We've been going over the documents and details that both Eve and our friendly neighbourhood Gator Claws have been giving us. Those guys are a mine of usable intel. They see everything that goes on around here, and their hunts take them quite far out, so they've managed to give us quite a few good locations to work with as well, as well as some possibles on those cultists. Apparently they worship some form of creature that lives around here. Both them and they fear the gator claws, so they run like hell when they see them coming. Which could work out quite advantageous to us. They're shit scared of them. Sending out a couple of ahead of them before us would really throw them into disarray. Chris said, pointing at the far more detailed drawn map on the chalkboard. A gator claw vanguard. I like it. But I want them armoured. I know Thundertail people can soak up quite a lot of damage... And still keep going, but I want it, if at all possible, protected as heavily as possible. After all, after this is all over, I want every one of them still walking around happy and healthy, not mourning lost ones. Seven said, and both Visa and Vest nodded happily, and both obviously happy at his display of concern for claw lives. Not sure how we can pull that off without Malachi. Spider-Boy Silk is the strongest and lightest bullet sponge we know of. Anything else is pretty much a bolt-on by comparison, Chris said. Well, with my new flying trick, I might actually be able to go and get us some if push comes to shove. I can be there and back in no time, given the speeds I can go. But we should actually try and sort this out ourselves first, before we distract him from their part of the mission. They have their own worries by the sounds of things.
Seven said, and both Timothy and Shona looked thoughtful for a moment. Well, we might have an idea how to help there, Shona said, and Seven glanced at her. Well, I saw a poster on the way over here that was running some sort of advertisement for some show that had been running by the Nuka Co Corporation. They were sponsoring the military, and one of the things they were doing was painting some power armour, warframes, and droids in their colours. If you could locate them if they're still lying around, we could strip them for parts. And with some clever engineering from my sexy scribe come engineer here, I'm pretty sure we could probably convert the parts of that into some kind of gator claw battle armour. Wouldn't be as comfy or as light as what Malachi could whip up. But the titanium chassis on those XO1s definitely do the job in a pinch, Shauna said. Sodden Seven nodded enthusiastically. I like the way you think, Shauna. My power armour can soak up a pretty serious ton of damage before it gives out. We can equip the gator claws with armour made out of the plating and frames. They basically be walking tanks on the battlefield, he said, and Shauna nodded. My thoughts exactly, she said. All right, then. Well, I'm pretty sure Thundertailer here wouldn't mind being your model. Get her to try out anything you can come up with, and if it works for her, then we'll go with that design. Meanwhile, I'll head out and test out our bomb diffuser. And then finally, we can really get this party started, Seven said. And with that, the group split up to get to work, while Seven took to the skies. Things were finally looking up for once. Yeah, so that was chapter 96, ladies and gentlemen. Will Seven manage to get equipped the Gator Claws? Will they be able to f get figure the bombs out? And will they be able to find out what these cultists are up to? Only going to be one way to find out the answer to those questions, and so many more. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.